0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of In Reality. This is Omar Torres here with my good friend, Dom Maldonado. Dom, how are you today, man?
1: A little tired, man. We had a little social mixer gathering for our dear friend and colleague, uh, Arman Ablakar, uh, who's going to be a big ass blockbuster Hollywood asshole out in uh, la and you know we wish him the best and uh you know that motherfucker had like what a 64 pack of natty light oh doing uh, it big was, yeah completely unnecessary <laughs> but you know so i'm a little tired
0: man oh man well that's good man that your friend had that party it's, it's nice
1: <laughs> i think he's your friend too on facebook
0: oh yeah maybe We'll see. I don't know. And all letterboxed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, not too bad. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get right into it. So today, we're going to be doing a classic film, uh, something that we haven't done yet. So um, this film is called Arsenic and Old Lace, and it's a black and white film. With uh, a lot of big stars from the day, Cary Grant, uh, Raymond Massey, uh, a lot of a lot of big people, directed by Frank Capra. I I enjoyed it. I obviously I recommended it. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, you did. This is one of your recommends. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if I would have been able to find this one on my own, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what, fuck it. You know, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Um, you know, something old school that we could. You know relate to maybe yeah I uh, got some really good reviews on uh, the movie database IMDB um, letterbox you know so it was approved by our mutual <laughs> network of you know
0: yeah yeah I think the way we found it is really because uh, we went to a another mutual gathering and uh, we were watching the Oscars that day at a friend's house and right there on their table They had a DVD copy of Arsenic and Old Lace, and I kind of casually, hey, that's a really good movie, (laughs) and uh, they agreed, of course, and so uh, I told Dom, hey, Dom, you got to watch this thing, man, it's pretty good, and they said the same thing, and so that's how we remembered it in order to be brought up now.
1: (laughs) Yep. So it takes place mm-hmm. in the set design because his family's home is right <laughs> next to a cemetery. I don't know if you caught that, but I was like, "Yo, that house next to a cemetery—that's you know, no thing." Yeah. Um. But Cary Grant ends up finding out what is happening in yeah uh, his aunt's home.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So basically, Cary Grant plays a character named Mortimer Brewster, and he's like this bachelor, big time. Uh. I guess I guess lethario is the word for it. He um, is
1: like a critic and he is a uh, those you probably know exactly who this guy is. He's <laughs> one of those type of characters, you know, in his day. And he's getting married. And while he's trying to go to the courthouse to get married, mm-hmm. he gets with it and he can't wait to rush home to tell his uh his his family
0: hey, his aunts. Two aunts. And
1: well also his cousin, who's cro who's completely batshit crazy and thinks he's uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah,
0: that was a good touch. <laughs> yeah and then uh, and he basically tells his now wife we're gonna go on this big honeymoon just get your things ready and then uh, make the signal and I'll come over to you you'll come over to me whatever and we'll go on this big luxurious honeymoon yeah.
1: he said just whistle for me definitely you know fitting of the time and it's it's funny to listen to now I can't imagine what you know alright <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is one of those movies where it's like the, the lead <laughs> the lead male character is like, get your shit together and like slaps the woman yeah. and everybody's like okay with it. Yeah, that's, a, yeah <laughs>
1: that, that's another thing. It's like you can just be like, hey, darling, just slap her. Come on, toots. It's like one of those places like where it's like out of fucking Mad Men. And now just to give you a context for those of you that didn't do so well in history class or you were told some other alternate fictional version of what happened in the 1940s. <laughs> a long time ago, uh, well, not too long ago, Tarantino made a film called Inglorious Bastards. That kind of summarized what happened in the 40s. A bad guy, Adolf Hitler, was a one-testicle vegan uh, who married his, I think, second cousin. And was like uh, this kind of like a beloved evil dictator of the German Empire, which was a waging war for the second time uh, internationally. America got dragged into it, didn't want to, but we did. And this time I don't think it was even about oil, which is different. You know, I think uh, after the Korean War, Vietnam War, it all became about oil. But this is before oil. So uh, this movie, apparently, from what we were able to gather online, was released on September of 1944. Mm D-Day, all right, when the troops stormed Normandy Beach, was June 44. So try to keep that in mind. Right? So yeah, June, is uh, six, and then September, which is, you know, the ninth month, three months. I don't know if I could, like, get back into film-watching mode after, like, you know what I'm saying, Saving Private Ryan kind of shit just happened, like, real life. And then it's like, so mm-hmm. we've got this nice little film to keep, you know, to entertain the masses. It's like, who's watching it, man? we all out at war. You know what I'm saying? So...
0: But that's one thing I know about the the film industry is it's essentially recession proof. It's like people are going to continue to watch movies. People need the escape, need the uh need the entertainment. You know what I mean? It's it's going to be hard to get out of any situation, but like it's imagine like I mean, it's nothing compared to World War II. But imagine like you go through a breakup or something like that. You're probably going to be sitting at home Watching TV and movies, eating ice cream, and bawling your eyes out, or yeah, something like just that. A little Netflix. Unless you're a man yeah. like me, and then you don't cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just shed one tear, like that Native American picture, and you just see buffalo and bison and shit in it. It's pretty
0: awesome. You see all of like the uh, animals of like a certain river in <laughs> in Emberton. like really majestic part of the world, yeah. just in the tear.
1: Yeah, man, it's like looking into that little galaxy in, in Men in Black. That's what you see in my tear. Not tears. Tear. One motherfucker. And if you catch it, it does the same thing as dragon tears. Whatever those things do, Yeah, my tears are all the same. Yeah. But back to arsenic in old ladies. So those of you that are not familiar with arsenic, it's that shit that's also in cigarettes, but also just a very deadly, uh, I think it's a rat poison. I didn't really look it up too much because I wasn't planning on ingesting any. But apparently, <laughs> these two old ladies who are um, Auntie Brewster's, they have been feeding arsenic and lacing it with these different cocktails and giving it to these old, weary gentlemen that come to their home over the past uh, yeah. years, and they've done it 11 or 12 times? Or was it 10 or well, 11? Thi-
0: this is, first of all, this is a specific concoction. They have, like, wine. They say it in the movie. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's like wine mixed with arsenic, like a couple parts of something else, something else, something else. And... Uh, yeah this is their they have an argument this is their 12th guy or their 11th guy and
1: (laughs) yeah which parallels another argument that they end up having with their uh their nephew (laughs) because he yeah and so we end up finding that uh in addition to there's another Brewster in the family and he's also fucking crazy um and we end up finding out that he's got a he got a he caught a few bodies too he caught a few bodies too and he ended up yeah, no, record. they say his
0: his count was the same as the as their count
1: <laughs> no Johnny, you can't so, count the man with pneumonia. He was going to die anyway. So, like <laughs> hell he was I so I put a bullet in.
0: said I finished him off. I have more kills,
1: yeah, so I think he he was my favorite character. He was him and um the doctor were my two favorite characters yeah. uh, specifically uh John Brewster. Who was played by uh, I believe Raymond Massey? That was just his how straight faced yeah. he was and how fucked up his face was. Like it was just <laughs> it was such a cool distraction yeah. from like you know everybody else who was a little bit more um, you know silly, almost slapstickish.
0: Yeah. So what we were able to gather was basically that uh, he has a lot of jokes where people say to him hey you look like boris Karloff." <laughs> and the part on broadway uh or not broadway on uh, the part in the theater was um played by boris carloff and um the two aunts were the originals from the theater and
1: uh but he because he was the lead actor they wouldn't let him go yeah, the theater production. because okay. the
0: production was still going on during filming, um, and yeah, that was or- in order to kind of help Cary Grant uh, fit his schedule, and so the production was still going on during filming, and so he was uh, he was the main attraction of the show, the theater show, Boris Karloff, and so he wasn't able to. Go and do the movie, and um, he was upset about that. But they put in a lot of Boris Karloff jokes. Yeah.
1: So, oh, so Omar, if you had to, let's so say you got booked for two gigs, right? And so you had to work a uh, Captain America the stage play, and Captain America the film, and then you're like, oh, you know, I want to work on the film too. And they said, no, no, Omar, we need you here to do the stage play. What would you do?
0: Am I at this point an actor? um
1: <laughs> but, if you want to be, you're you're, you're you're a cameraman. You do what you <laughs> Well,
0: I mean, cameramen aren't going to do anything on a stage play. Why would they need me for a stage play?
1: Fuck if I know I don't do stage plays. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you, this is your
0: job. <laughs> They're not going to need me for the stage play. I'd go do the movie.
1: You know what? Fuck it. You already answered. You're just going to say fuck off and do the movie. This is why you didn't get the part. <laughs> now, here's one thing I didn't. So there were some suspensions of disbelief here I just really need to get to. Now, I can understand okay, it was an all-white cast because it's the 40s, and black people didn't exist until, like, the 80s. And then <laughs> we apparently don't exist past the year, like, 2100 or 2200 in film either because George Lucas said so. And But I found it interesting that this critic, right, Mr. Brewster, uh, he gets a pass, dude, on a lot of shit. All right, because he's like a famous critic, and people love to hear him speak and read his books. So at one point, a cop comes up to him, and meanwhile, Mr. Brewster is trying to hide all these dead bodies that are in his aunt's uh, basement in the cellar, actually. And of which there's actually two different ways in the cellar you can go through the house, or you can just go around the back. And I was like, God damn, like what a terrible place to hide bodies. Like you can (laughs) all these access points. And as if it's not bad enough to live next to a cemetery, he just hide them in there. But no. So a cop comes, you know, half leave just kind of ends up there because his cousin keeps playing a damn trumpet and they keep getting noise complaints because he's Teddy Roosevelt and has to sound the trumpet every time he does something. And then instead of, like, doing anything, he says, oh, you're that guy, Mr. Brewster. Hey, I tell you what, Mr. Brewster, I have a play, I have a script I want to pitch you. And he's like, oh, brother, okay, tell you what, meet me over there in an hour, I'll be over there. And it's like, that's it. You just told the cop off. You're just going to, okay, it's that easy. And then, remember the cab? He takes a cab to get from wherever the hell they were to their, yeah. uh, their house next to the cemetery. He never pays the motherfucker. He's outside <laughs> during the whole film. And he's like, hey, my cab. And they're like on some back and forth who's on first shit. And he never pays the motherfucker. And even afterwards, the doctor never pays it. Like, nobody pays the cab. And I'm like, yo, that right there would have been like a grand felony case. For any minority. You just jump the fuck out of the cab. And then but you it's remember like-
0: it's like the last shot in the movie. That like. He, Mortimer like runs over. Uh, runs over to his new wife. Uh, to her house. He's He like goes crazy. And he's like. ah, I'm a chicken or whatever. <laughs> he's yeah. Like, he's, like, like, he's,
1: he's like. like no, I'm not I'm a
0: Brewster. I'm a. Uh, I'm not whatever. a Brewster. He's like, mr. freaks brewster, out no i'm
1: not a brewster he's like oh and i'm a fucking teapot <laughs> like
0: that. oh yeah that was it i'm yeah. a teapot, I am a teapot
1: just pour me the fuck out not even gonna pay me we went through two and a half hours of film keeping a meter running and then,
0: everybody was crazy man and then <laughs> a psychiatrist,
1: psychiatrist comes is it mr witherspoon and yeah he tries to pitch a script and it's like, yo, so hold on. When you're in that position of power, you just get out of any situation by listening to a, a pitch, a script pitch. And then,
0: Hey, man, when you got it like that.
1: <laughs> hey, hey Armand, let me know when you get it like that. When you have to point out there in L.A. and it's just like. So I got into it, you know what I'm saying, with law enforcement. Say, you know what, you know, tell me about your script idea. And, you know, I was out of the station in a few hours. So fuck that noise. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, then, I
0: really got to go to this uh, this play, but, you know, uh, I'll meet you here. I'll you meet know you over there, <laughs>
1: Mr. Officer. Yeah. And so then, remember, so the wife, the newlywed, she's over there in her, uh, her house, which is, you know, like right across the cemetery. And the little secret call is she's supposed to whistle when she's ready. He keeps that whole whistling for hours. And he keeps <laughs> hearing it, but he keeps getting distracted. And her ass is whistling, and he never comes to the rescue, to the point that she has to come in her, his house like two or three times, he kicks yeah. her out each time, says, the honeymoon's over, and she's just like, you just get a pass for that, too? God damn.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, and, he was going in on her, too. He was like, eh, sh- shut your face, I'm talking, can't you see him on the phone?
1: yeah. <laughs> Yo, this shit you just can't get away with that anymore. And that just be pleasantly romantic. That's not a rom com anymore. That's, I mean,
0: a human to be honest, film. it's a good thing you really can't get away with that. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> but, a
1: lot. But, a lot of colleges are finding out right about now. That's not some gotten away shit you can do anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, they he oh man, he was real rude. To her.
1: He was, and he and he's the prize. Like that's that's the good guy in the forties. That's what's left after everybody else went to war and died. You have to deal with Mr. Brewster's shit. And then one thing that was pretty true to reality, reality, hashtag, he's actually adopted, we end up finding out. So he ain't got no daddy, which is a surprise, surprise, right? How's it feel? How's it feel, Mortimer? Have no daddy. So he ain't got no mama either.
0: He was real happy.
1: Yeah, apparently he was because he's not... Technically related to any of these crazy assholes, but he gets to, like inherit the whole house in Brooklyn, yeah. which is pretty pretty <laughs> fucking dope. And how he has to like juggle all this shit, right? The cops, the murder, the marriage, his crazy ass brother who wants to kill him with his doctor. And yeah, you know, and then like the scene with the doctor is like, "Oh, don't worry, Johnny, I fix you up." And he's like, "Don't touch the nose. Don't touch." Oh the
0: eye. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh the doctor that his. uh like brother quote um, air quotes brother (laughs) the doctor that he comes with is a plastic surgeon who has been fixing up his brother every time he kills somebody so (laughs) in order to keep him away from the law and one of the things is that is that they the two aunts have been killing people (laughs) for a while have the same number of kills but just have been in the house the entire time and haven't had to leave or do anything while the brother has killed the same amount of people and every time he has to run from the law and get a face change and everything so he just keeps this plastic surgeon with him the entire time to just fix up his face every time he kills someone new
1: yeah yeah that is funny it's like his face is fucked. Looks like it's just cut, like, with glass now. And it's... Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty funny. So, funny. Yeah, this tribute. was a time
0: when plastic surgery was not at its best. I or maybe he's just a him. shitty doctor. I,
1: no, well, he was a drunk doctor, remember? He had to be drunk to do everything, and he kept running oh, flat.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a world where just, like, everybody... <laughs> everybody is just on another level. Either you're crazy... You get away with some crazy stuff. So okay, we should talk a little bit about uh, Teddy Roosevelt, because <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt lives with these two aunts, and he is the original person. Like when you begin the movie, poor child, it's like the only real crazy yeah. person is the is Teddy Roosevelt. He like goes around and wears the Teddy Roosevelt outfit, and uh, he you know signs his name teddy and everything and then like when he he runs up the stairs
1: and it's funny he thinks he's teddy roosevelt the president at this time is franklin d roosevelt
0: yeah it's a crazy movie a lot of pe, a lot of crazy people and just all kinds of hilarious stuff that like is i think it's so it's so it's an absurdist comedy so it's kind of funny that we're talking about it on it in reality podcast but there's so much that we can like ground it in and see how crazy it is compared to how we live today that makes it still hilarious to this day uh i think it still holds up i mean dom what do you think um
1: yeah i think so you know as far as like a overall film piece and even though it's all black and white i feel like it didn't distract from the story at all you know i wasn't like looking there was nothing there that i think color would have added I think it was uh, pretty strong in its own storytelling yeah. and uh, pretty interesting family. You know, it was like, like a day with like the monsters or some shit or like, uh, what is it? Keeping up with the Kardashians or some shit. <laughs> Adam's yeah, it, it was, It was funny. So, uh, you know, check if you have like a knack for old yeah. films, check it out. If you don't, it'll make a good uh, Netflix and chill session. Little rub and tug. Yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, checking out, you guys can check me out on Letterboxd.com slash the old man you can find all my information there twitter and whatnot dom
1: yeah same here man you can find me uh, a letterbox.com slash southern scholar uh you know follow me i follow you team follow back Uh, leave us some comments and suggestions on films you'd like to see reviewed and uh yeah we'll go from there so
0: yeah thanks for listening everybody see you next time